Sama, thank you so much for coming on to Startup Steroid. Uh, we've been speaking for so long, and this is the first time we've been able to meet face-to-face. -face. So I'm really excited for this conversation and to get to know your story a little bit better. Likewise, uh, likewise. I mean, been speaking to you for months on Clubhouse and finally yeah. face to the name. So really excited to be here. Fantastic. Um, so before we get into your startup and down to Dash, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Uh, so I'm Sama. I am originally from Mumbai, India. I am a 29-year-old entrepreneur. Um, started my journey with entrepreneurship pretty much when I was, I think, in the eighth or ninth grade. Um, because my jewelry business, my family business in India, uh, was always fascinated by you know the challenge and the, the just just the excitement of creating something and um i also co-founded a social enterprise when i was in college so i was a part of this group called enactis and we empowered rural women in india to deliver salon services at people's houses um so that was the first time i think i properly created something um and then i also had a phase where i just wanted to be a bollywood actress <laughs> <laughs> but um but i think you know with destiny i ended up in the uk um, for a year got a scholarship to study at Warwick business school and um worked in marketing in both in india and in new york and ended up somehow co-founding down to dash <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, also, you know, super passionate about um, hiking, food, dancing, and um, just meeting new people. That's fantastic. And meeting new people is really the topic of the day. So we'll, we'll get to discuss that in one second. But tell me a little bit more about the social enterprise you founded when you were in college. Um, that's really interesting. In college, I, I barely had enough time to study. So uh, starting a, a new venture, I think, is uh, is a real challenge. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, so it was a part of Inactis. It's, um, at that time, it was called Sites Students in Free Enterprise. So we had a little mm -hmm. bit of help uh, from you know the, the, the site network. But, but basically, it was me and uh, two of my friends. And, you know, we just identified that the whole salon services space, the home salon services space was an, on that market at the time. And uh, there was a slum in Worley. So we recruited a couple of women and we trained them. We, you know, taught them etiquette training, salon services, you know, ma manicure, pedicure, whatnot. I mean, we got them professionally trained, but we also trained them personally. And um, it was amazing to just see that transformation. I think that's the first time I fell in love with um, seeing that transformation that you can create in the world as an entrepreneur. And um, we, I think totally uh, while I was in college, I was involved. Um, once I graduated, I, I, you know, we passed it on to our colleagues. Uh, but I think totally about 10 women we transformed during the program and, you know, seeing them earn their own income uh, through our venture and then uh, being able to afford their son's education and whatnot. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. That's fantastic. And having an experience like that early on, especially in your college years, I think that that sort of really solidifies that entrepreneurship, I, I, I feel. Um, in your nature. 
Um, now, I, I know you said you moved to uh, uh, U.S., to New York from uh, England. That was around 2016, 17. Is that right? No. So uh, after uh, the U.K., at Warwick, I came back to India. Uh, that was, I think it was end of 2014. Um, okay. And then I moved to New York, the U.S. in end of 2016. Perfect. Okay. So let's pick it up from there, 2016. Um, what was the uh, what was the intention behind moving here? Uh, what were you doing? Yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy uh, journey. I mean, it was I was also working in my family business, the jewelry business, and we had clients in the U.S. So, I mean, primarily it was for that. I mean, I don't think I planned to move. It was more like a, a go with the flow situation <laughs> where I I came to New York, fell in love with it, ended up staying. Um, but initially it was for, you know, family business, also the idea for down to dash, or we had it, but, um, it was just an idea at that point. So I was also, you know, testing the waters with that. Um, so it was, it was for work mainly. Got it. And you actually met your co-founder from down to dash in UK. So you guys had known each other for a while and and sort of thought about this idea for a little bit. How did that, uh, idea become a business, uh, once you were in the U.S.? Sure, great question. So, do you want me to give you a bit of a story uh, as yeah, to how we got? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, we were both working full time, and we didn't we didn't actually plan to start a business together. Uh, we were friends catching up one day, and we were chatting about how you know uh, I would play basketball when I was in college, and we needed more players, and we used to also go for Zumba classes and. You know, sometimes you want you don't end up going because you don't have friends to go with. And we thought that in our college experience, um, why was there no way to meet students that you don't share the dorm with or classes with? Right. We thought, you know, why not create like a Tinder for friends based on activities? Uh, and initially we said, you know, let's call it buddy, like um, uh, food buddy or laundry buddy or workout <laughs> buddy. Um, so that's pretty much where the idea came uh, when we were talking about our college experience. And moving right. to New York um, definitely also made me think about the experience of moving to a city alone, you know, not knowing anyone, how intimidating it can be. And again, do, wanting to do a specific activity, especially in a city like New York that has so much to offer without having um, you know, a way to find someone to do it at that particular time, even if you have tons of friends. You know, what if no one's available at that time, which is why we thought of, you know, creating this spontaneous activity by the app. Absolutely. How, talk a little bit about the name down to dash. It, 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 there has to be an origin story behind that as well, right? Yeah, for sure. There definitely is. Um, so like I said, initially we wanted to call it buddy, but um, we, you know, did research on trademark and copyright and buddy was too common a name to use. So we really thought about, um, you know, creating a name. We thought about it so much. And I don't know, I, I don't actually remember how exactly we came up with down to dash, but we were just talking about how as millennials, we say, are you down to come over for lunch? Are you down to play tennis? And you know, that's just how a lot of millennials talk in general. So we thought, why not create down to dash, you know, fill in the blank with what you're down to do, especially because... For short, we say, are you DTD? Uh, so we thought, you know, it might be kind of catchy. Why not 
let's try it out. We asked a couple of people and they said, yeah, sure, try it out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so I, I understand that the idea was to really connect with more people. But what, what sort of led to uh, online platform and app and, and those things? Um, that's very different from sort of, you know, creating an IT infrastructure is very different from what you were doing before. Uh, so how did that sort of manifest itself? For sure, yeah. My co-founder and I actually both are business marketing people. We do not have a technical background. And actually a lot of people... Um, told us not to start a tech company because we did not have technical skills. Uh, but we just thought about how in order to scale, I think in terms of scale, um, you know, I'm pretty much a tech enthusiast and I'm always excited to try the newest apps, um, Facebook, IG, Instagram and whatnot, a Snapchat. So we thought in order to reach that scale that we wanted to reach, um, the best way is to create an app. Um, and, you know, millennials are always on their phones. And also we thought about how social media has been criticized to create isolation, loneliness, depression. And we actually want to change the meaning of that. We want to make social media more social, like use technology to foster real life interactions. So we pretty much decided that the best way to go about it, um, and obviously now we're also an events company, but at that point in time, we said, let's create an app. And I think we were also pretty naive. We didn't really know how hard it is. <laughs> um, we were pretty clueless, uh, to be honest. At the time, we saw the social network. And I think actually I've seen a lot of founders have this myth in their heads from the social network about creating the next big thing and, you know, going viral overnight. We were, we were one of those. And uh, we had no idea how hard it's actually going to be. Right. And how long it takes. It doesn't, you can't go viral overnight, right? Um, so tell, tell me about the process of actually building out the platform. How did you go about it? How did you test it, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Uh, so we partnered with a technical team based in India. Um, so we got some referrals. We were pretty lucky to connect with a tech team that was amazing. That is amazing. And uh, that has really helped us understand the technical side of things. Uh, so we partnered with them and I think we just spoke to people, just went all out. Uh, you know, uh, my partner, Anuja, her father uh, runs a private equity firm. So he's been an advisor from the start. He connected us to a lot of people and we just started to talk, talking to a lot of people. New York as well. New York um, is just full of resources. Pre-pandemic, there was... 10 events to attend every single day in person. So we would just attend all these networking events, you know, go reach out to founders on LinkedIn. I remember doing so much cold outreach and just, just talking to them and, you know, asking them about their journey, about learning. I think just from the start, our focus was to learn, 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 learn as much as we can. And uh, I mean, we were first time tech founders. So we just um, adopted that attitude of learning and, uh, pivoting, we knew we would have to pivot uh, based on you know our journey, based on what people told us, and really focused on that consumer-centric approach of listening to consumers. Um, yes. Even post-launch, um, you know, I would go out on the app and meet people and just be a user, not say that I'm the the co-founder of the app, and right. focus on just talking to people, taking feedback, and, and that's pretty much the uh, the method we've adopt, adopted from the start. 
that's fantastic. And how did you get the, that initial traction as far as getting the events, getting the users on the platform? How long did it take you to reach sort of a critical mass where you sort of knew that this was going to work? Uh, yeah, great question. I mean, so we actually, the first version of the app was just like a Tinder interface. So I would say it was a failed product because uh, we got a couple of thousand users just by posting on Facebook groups, you know, these college Facebook groups. I would join, I joined like 200 plus Facebook groups, posted on them, <laughs> right. got a couple of thousand users, but none of them really stayed. So we revamped the app. Um, so I think it took, I mean, like I said, it was a, a side project uh, for a couple of years. It took a couple of years uh, to um, revamp the app and create a sticky product because um, I think a lot of founders, again, make this mistake, myself included, that um, you, you're acquiring users, but are you really retaining them? What's the engagement like? How much time are they spending? What's the retention? Uh, how, many, how many friends are they inviting? So when I started fundraising, I realized how serious it is to, to you know, keep tab of these metrics and be on top of it and make sure I engage. The, the product is super sticky. So it took, it took a couple of years to, to create a sticky product. And in terms of events, so that's actually, I would say, um, kind of like a parallel business. Um, I mean, they're, they're interrelated, but they're still kind of separate. Uh, we started doing events in uh, 2017. Uh, so I partnered with someone. Um, there was some, that there's written, he runs a group called New York Entrepreneurs Startup and Business Coalition. And I actually ended up attending his networking event. He was doing events in New York for 10 years. And I just went after him. <laughs> I think now he's, when he tells that story, he says this girl, she just... <laughs> <laughs> She just kept on telling me, you know, do an event with me, do an event with me. It's super funny. Um, I think he thought I was like a stalker. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, he somehow agreed. I told him, you know, I'll get you like a venue for free. I'll get you food sponsors. Just give me a chance. A right. partner with me. <laughs> and, um, I mean, he, he gets tons of requests um, all the time because he has such a large audience. Um, yeah. I think to 100k i don't know including myself i i have attended his event so yeah <laughs> that's great yeah, that that's, you were able to get him uh, partner with so him he, he he said okay fine i'll partner with you but i wasn't making any revenue from it i was just you know right. being a partner getting pro promotions but no revenue for again the first two years and yeah, now he's my events partner. We do our virtual events together as well. Um, and it's been pretty amazing to have him as a partner because um, I didn't have to spend that marketing budget on acquiring that community, but um, right. you know, I kind of have his community. Uh, so it's been pretty amazing working with him. That's fantastic. And, and yeah, finding a partner like that can be, can really take your business to the next level. So congratulations on that. Um, so that brings us to about 2019 or so, I believe. And now you, you ha you're doing events, in-person events, and then 2020 comes around and you run right into uh, global pandemic, complete lockdown. How did things change? Yeah, it was pretty crazy when the pandemic hit. Uh, initially, I thought it would be a couple of months and we'd go back to in-person events, but it stayed for really long. But I think our team was uh, super quick. 
So as soon as the pandemic hit, I think within two weeks, we, we started hosting virtual events. Um, we wow. thought, you know, why not leverage technology, Zoom? And we pivoted to the virtual, the online world, and we started hosting events on Zoom. And, um, you know, on Zoom, you can divide people into breakout rooms. So we actually thought that, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for us because people are stuck in their houses. And even when I would do calls with people, you know, a lot of people would tell me that I might not have used your platform before pre-pandemic, but now I'm bored, I'm stuck at home. So I'm, I'm definitely down to attend your events. Um, and yeah, we, we started hosting the startup events uh, virtually immediately. And also um, the whole corporate side, the B2B side of the business was gone post-pandemic. Um, really? Okay. So tell me a little bit more about B2B side because B2C I really understand and you know people wanting to connect with other people. What's the B2B motivation? Yeah, sure. So we started hosting virtual games nights, uh, virtual meditations, uh, this event called Table Topics. Again, these were all in-person events uh, pivoted to Zoom events. Uh, Table Topics is you know, deep conversations on specific topics like social media, blockchain, um, food, different topics based on the group. So someone actually told me that they were struggling to transition uh, the employees, their team from offline to online and to engage the employees. And they said, you know, why don't you post these happy hours, these virtual games nights and whatnot for my employees because you know we do we do stuff like scavenger hunt. Um, so my team, one someone from my team will host the event, and she'll say, um, you know, go go and find something in your room that resembles yourself, resembles your quarantine binge. So you know stuff like that. So it's super interactive, um, and we just started partnering with companies, and we realized that there was a need for it, and uh, we just, that's how the B2B side was born. We started hosting these virtual interactive experiences to engage employees. Fantastic. And how, uh, what was the traction like on, on the B2B end? Yeah, sure. So right now we have, uh, four B2B clients, a couple of others in the pipeline. Um, and we're actually, um, recently profitable, uh, from the B2B side. Nice. Okay. Congratulations on that. That's a huge milestone. Um, what, how many events are you holding on the B2B end specifically? And then maybe, uh, across the board, um, every day, every week, every month, uh, any metrics you can share with us? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have exact, uh, cause it depends from month to month. Um, I would say a couple of events a week. Okay. Yeah. A couple of events a week. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, startup events and B2B events. Got it. Got it. Okay. Two startup Fantastic. events a month. Um, and the B2B events, it kind of depends on. So we have like retainers with clients. So it depends on that. Okay. So I understand number of events, but maybe a better question might be how many connections or, uh, you know, how many people are attending? Maybe that that's a better question. Uh, uh, during the pandemic, what, what sort of... Uh, uh, um, traction were you getting uh, on your events? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, recently we did like a, a survey and we actually um, found out that we've made 250k, 250,000 plus connections during the pandemic. Um, wow. And 
yeah, it's been amazing to connect people during this time. Um, especially, so we have this event uh, that Priyanka, a partner of ours, she runs called Collective Calm, where she makes people meditate and she makes people talk about what they're grateful for, especially, you know, in the first couple of months. And we had someone that showed up who lost their mom uh, due to COVID and she was actually crying during the event. And, you know, she really built heart-to-heart connections with people at the event um, and opened up and she became a regular at that event. And I think it really helped her to get um, past that experience. And we had so many other people, healthcare workers that showed up uh, to these gratitude events, um, you know, to small talk sucks, which is authentic relating. So um, I think just being that resource for these people uh, that were going through a terrible time was amazing. I mean, we didn't even think of it as uh, something that's going to grow our business, make us revenue, um, get us to our next round of funding. But uh, we were just focused on, you know, helping people uh, and, you know, kind of being a resource to survive this terrible pandemic. Um, and it was pretty amazing to see the kind of stories, the kind of connections that were made during this terrible time. Absolutely. And 250,000 connections during the pandemic, that, that's pretty amazing, uh, which means you continued your growth trajectory even when there were no live events, right? Yes, 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 definitely. I think we grew more post-pandemic. Wow. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, so, and, and uh, one core theme that I, I keep hearing is that you guys are adapting to technology uh, uh, as soon as they become available or, or as soon as they're fashionable. Now, the big thing is Clubhouse and, you know, live communication. Tell us about, like, when you started coming on to Clubhouse and what sort of traction you've received. Yeah, um, I love Clubhouse. Firstly, I have to say that it is my favorite networking tool. Um, I actually just said this today on Clubhouse that in my experience um, with networking events in New York from 2016 to now, um, I think I've made more quality connections on Clubhouse than I have in all those years combined. Um, oh, wow. David Rose also uh, David Rose is the founder of Gast and New York Angels and I remember you know filling out Gast and pitching New York Angels and whatnot and I never imagined that he would be um, you know such an integral part of the rooms that we host and you know standing next to me on stage on Clubhouse um, you know now now literally he's a friend uh, so I think something like that is only possible on Clubhouse so firstly just have to say I absolutely love Clubhouse and yes, um, I think I started using Clubhouse. So I was invited to Clubhouse in October, but I have to admit, I didn't really understand the, the value October 2020. I started hosting rooms and actively using Clubhouse in January uh, 2021. Um, and I started off, uh, you know, I just, um, someone actually uh, made me an admin of Startup Club. Um, I don't know who it was. Uh, so I started hosting rooms on Startup Club and I thought, you know, why not um, do some interviews? And I mean, events is such a huge part of my business. So why not? And, and, I, and I, I saw the potential. And I knew that, you know, I still think that at some point in time, there will be um, all these virtual conferences, paid events on Clubhouse, sponsorships. I think, I think it's going to be huge. 
So I started hosting these, um, you know, virtual uh, speaker series on Clubhouse immediately in Jan. And I interviewed Sohail on my, one of my startup club rooms and a couple of others that now are my partners on Clubhouse and we co-host rooms with all the time. Um, so yeah, that's how I, I started off on Clubhouse. And now I think we host rooms almost every day. Uh, we have a room uh, except for Friday. Um, it's, it's amazing. That's fantastic. And yeah, that, that's really how we met. So I know you're extremely active. And, and Sohil, uh, the guy you mentioned, his investor interview is also in our archive. So people can certainly access that as well, get to know him. But yeah, it's amazing what kind of connections you can make on Clubhouse and uh, conversations you can have. Um, so congratulations for being an early adapter of that technology as well. And, and uh, uh, you know, carving out your own niche on, on that platform. Um, so that brings us up to today. You've been extremely successful, uh, achieved a lot of very important milestones. What's the goal for rest of the year, rest of 2021 and maybe into 2022? Um, what are the next milestones in your mind? Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think in terms of next goals, next steps right now is we are fundraising. We just started fundraising this week, um, our official seed round. Um, we were, we were going to do it last year, actually, but we postponed it um, because of the pandemic. We thought it would be better to do it when things calm down a bit. Um, so we're fundraising, uh, and also we want to take, so, so for the tech side of things, you want to take it to the next level, um, especially with things opening up a bit. And, uh, we also want to scale clubhouse, you know, I think, uh, as I said, I think there's a lot of potential. So keep adding the clubhouse, uh, in terms of, you know, doing events and whatnot. Um, and, uh, our plan really is, I mean, our vision, I think my co-founder and I, from the start is to get acquired because um, personally, I, I believe that to, to achieve that scale and world dominance and you know spread our, our mission all over the world, um, the best way to do it is by, by getting acquired, which is why we've been focused on that relationship building approach from the start. So you know, um, building relationships with those potential acquirers, sending them news. Uh, we have a newsletter we send out. Um, uh, again, the, also the startup events, the VCs, we've been building relationships with them by hosting these startup events. Um, so I think that's pretty much our focus, building these relationships and uh, hopefully getting acquired uh, in the next you know, couple of years and scaling, 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 scaling. That's fantastic. And yeah, uh, best of luck with that. I, I think you're, you're on a really good trajectory right now. And uh, I think you're, you're sort of headed in the right direction so that's fantastic if anyone wants to get to know more about uh, uh your company um, we'll have the links in the description but tell me a little bit about how people can connect with you how they can get to know the company sure uh, i mean they can connect with me on linkedin i'm also super active on linkedin um or instagram or clubhouse now or clubhouse um, <laughs> or down to dash itself <laughs> right also- okay if you're in my location, yeah, then uh, down to Dash also. Uh, it's a location-based app. But um, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, either way, either way works. Fantastic. And we'll have all of those things, all of the resources linked uh, in the description below. Um, so people can, if they're driving or something, they don't have to stop. They can just click on the link and access that directly. Summer, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate uh, your time. 
really appreciate getting to know you over the last few months on Clubhouse. And uh, hopefully we can continue that conversation and maybe even start a few rooms together. Uh, uh, I'd be really excited to do that. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for all the val value you bring to our Clubhouse rooms. Always appreciate it. The Pitch Club fam. Uh, and thank you for this today. It was, it was fun. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.